Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon. Past week, our News Centre Daily, part of it was dominated by the events, the fire in Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Those of us who have been to Paris may well have visited that massive structure many, many years ago when I was at school. I had the privilege of visiting France and Paris, and we visited Notre Dame and Sacré-Cœur and all the other great sites of Paris. A massive structure, 800 years standing there, and yet, relatively easily, it could have all burnt down. Seemingly, another 30 minutes of fire, and the heat would have been such that it would have destroyed this, the stonework. Some of you will know that there was a, a church in Glasgow, Sherbrooke's and Gilbert's church, that went on fire, and, and I was a member of the Presbytery of Glasgow at the time, and after the event, inside this big Victorian Gothic thing with huge big stone pillars, the stone pillars where you could hardly put your hands round, they were so massive to hold up the weight of the roof, they were reduced to that size by the heat of the fire. It's turned to sand, turned to dust, but it didn't. And in interviews on the radio, one of the interviews was visiting or interviewing Cardinal Vincent Nichols, who's the Roman Catholic Cardinal of Westminster Cathedral in London. And the interviewer, first of all, said, well, made comment of the fact that when the fire took place, um, a number of people, so-called secular France, a number of people um, large numbers of people gathered outside and round the area and began to pray and to sing hymns. And not just did I see old people, but younger people as well. And, and, and the interview was saying, well, how, you know, how, how is that? You know, I mean, after all, France is a very secular state. For a number of years, we spoke to the work of France Mission, a small percentage of people in France would claim to have any living or personal faith, nominal Roman Catholics, but very little personal faith. But the Cardinal quite rightly said, but often he said, you know, at times of crisis, especially when things that seem absolute and are there, sort of bedrocks of our life, you know, that cathedral that stood for 800 years, when things happen to us, when a rock seems to crumble or fall apart, then even in sometimes the most avowed atheist or secularist or humanist, there can be almost involuntary a cry from the heart to something or someone greater than ourselves. That's because we were made to have that ability to call upon God, the one who is the rock of ages. And so when things happen, it draws from people, it can draw from people, a, a, a deep instinctive desire to call out. And then in the, later on, his interview developed, of course, the interviewer said, well, of course, it's a, it's a disaster, especially at that time. That was just, I think, maybe the morning or so after the fire, and there was a question as to how, you know, the building would survive. And right away, to be fair, the cardinal jumped in, and he said, oh, but he said, you know, that's at the heart of the Easter message. And I have to give credit. We, we might have our differences with the Roman Catholic Church, but I have to give credit. Often, especially in this country, in the media, they speak out more clearly than many church leaders of a more reformed or Protestant denomination tradition. But he said, oh, he said, that's at the very heart of Easter. He said, the seeming disaster of Good Friday, he said, is transformed. And this is his words to use, transformed by the glorious resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gift 
of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to his people. And I thought, bless you, brother, for making clear. Yes, at the very heart of the gospel story is the seeming disaster, the, the, one, the one that people had looked for to be the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Savior, the one who had seemed to promise so much, the one that through whom the blind saw and the lame walked and the dead were raised, Lazarus, and yet nailed to that tree with that crown of sorrows laid upon him, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the officials and the rulers rubbing their hands in glee and thinking, good, we've got victory. We've dealt with this man, this rebel, this troublemaker. We've got rid of him. Better that he should die, that one should die, than the whole of our nation be under the judgment of Rome. Little did they know that even as they said that, they were fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament, that it is better that one should die, so that the many might live. And as we gather on this Easter Sunday, in a world where there are many things which are gloomy and could fill us with despair. And some of us are here this morning with the dark clouds of grief and sorrow overshadowing us because, yes, in the flesh, in our living, the dead don't come back alive. Interesting enough, a number of years ago, there was a drama program, some of you saw it on television, where actually <laughs> the dead wouldn't die. Did any of you watch it? See it? It's BBC One. You know what happened? It was hell and air. Hell and air. Because the sick and the elderly and the aged and the wearied and the worn and the sad couldn't die. It was hell on earth. But we gather this morning with that great and glorious promise and assurance that in Christ, the dead will be raised, not as we are, not with the weariness of age, not with our bodies damaged by illness, not perhaps even worse with the deep-rooted sickness and sadness of our soul and of our body. We will be transformed into the likeness of the Son. Paul, reflecting on the glory of the resurrection, I've got some water here. You can have that much water, you'll be swimming in it before you're finished. Oh, you've got water. Well, here's, another, here's some more for you. Writing about the glory of Christ and of the power of the resurrection tells us this, and in so doing, I've lost where I'm looking for. <laughs> yes, here we find him. For Paul writing Colossians says this, for in Christ all the fullness of the Godhead lives in bodily form. And listen to what he says, and in Christ you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and an authority. And he goes on to say, and having been buried with him, you are also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Having been buried with him, you're also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Colossians 2 and verse 12. God's power, the power, they says in Ephesians, that brought again Jesus from the dead is the same power that spiritually rebirths us. Re 
creates us, restores us, renews us, so that even when this body is consumed by fire if we're cremated, or consumed by the worms and the darkness if we're buried, so our souls, the thing that really marks who we are, that is restored and renewed. And there's that great promise that I often read out, in fact, usually read out at a funeral of a believer. When Paul writes this in Thessalonians, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Do we really want to continue living like this on earth? I tell you, I'm in my later 50s, and already the sands of time are sinking. This knee aches because I hit it off the vestry desk. This shoulder sore because I keep stretching back into the back seat of the car. Put the seat belts on for some of you dear old folks. And, you know, I'll be suing you for damages. You know, my guts play up. Well, you know about that. My friends, if this is all that is, it is hell on earth. But with that trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will be raised, not to some tattered-up version of this tawdry world, but to you, heaven, and to you, earth. For all the weariness and weakness, all the sin and the suffering, all the shame and the sorrow will be done away with. And we will be, and we will see Jesus, as He really is. And yes, the disasters of life take place. The fires burn down the roof, although that's amazing, isn't it? Saw the photographs, didn't it? After all that fire, and yes, you saw the seats and everything and everything else, but what particularly, but the time showed a photograph, there was still the steam and the, the smoke from the fire the next day, but what shone through that? Did you see it? The big gold probably. I was going to say brass, but that's Notre Dame. A big gold cross on the altar shining through. Death could not hold him. Where, O oh, death, is thy sting? Where, O oh, grave, is thy victory? Christ must die for our sins according to the Scriptures, but he must also be raised according to the Scriptures. And so Paul could write these words as we draw to a close this morning, writing to the church in Rome, he says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. How true that is for the martyrs this very Easter day who died and entered into glory in Sri Lanka. Paul goes on, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The tomb is empty, that impossible event, the stone was rolled away. The grave clothes are lying, and the angels came with that message, He is not here, He is risen, just as He said. And on this Easter Sunday, the same Spirit of God that moved the prophets of God to write about this comes to us to tell us that same message, that which seems impossible, God has dealt death to and made possible. The gift of life eternal. And that message that the angels said to Mary and to the women gathered is the same message. We don't worship a dead Savior. That's one of my objections, I have to say, having the crucifix. We worship a living Savior who comes, the risen, conquering Son, with healing in His wing. And so as we face the frailties of human life, and yes, death, and you know, we all have to go someday, that great assurance for believers is that as we die, live in Christ, and die in Christ, we'll be raised in Christ. And as we face the challenges of life, the obstacles, the stones, that come upon us, the crosses that we seem to have to bear, those calamities that we cannot see a way through, then Christ, who is the wisdom of God, the peace of God, the counselor of God, the enabler of God, the Savior from God, He, who has walked through the valley of the shadow, has promised to walk with us, yea, even into our Father's house. Is that what Easter means to you this morning? Then if it isn't, then I trust that it will be. That will be the biggest surprise you've ever discovered. That Jesus, yes, is alive. But He can live by His Spirit within each one of us sitting here with that promise that nothing, no calamity, no disaster, no fire, no seemingly unmovable obstacle can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's worship. What does that empty grave, those grave clothes lying, what does that mean to us this morning in our own journey with Jesus. What soiled things have to be laid aside? What seeming immovable obstacle needs to be rolled away? What deep sorrow 
needs to be turned into deep joy. What unbearable burden needs to be lifted? What death needs to be confronted with life? Burdens are lifted at Calvary. The joy of the Lord is our strength and our song and our salvation. With God, all things are possible. Only believe. And the dead in Christ will be raised first. As we offer you these, our gifts, so, Lord Jesus Christ, we bring to you our lives and our living. And we would echo the words, Lord Jesus, that you uttered on that cross as you died there. Father, we commit our spirits and our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon.